welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully you'll experience one by the end of this. We are recording today's episode on Groundhog Day, which is a very good movie, but a very stupid tradition. Let's just accept there's going to be six more weeks of winter. Do our best to get over it, okay? Hopefully this podcast can be the audio equivalent of curling up with a cup of hot cocoa under a warm blanket. On this show, we don't sweat the small stuff because I am very sweaty already. And we talk to guests who are inspiring at a time when we need it most. And today is no exception. I am joined, as always, by my producers, Svea Baron-Reinstein and Adam Howard. On today's show, we have singer, actress, comedian Bridget Everett. Bridget's new HBO series, Somebody Somewhere, has some semi-autobiographical elements to it. If you are going to produce a show based on a formative chapter from your own life, oh my God, what would it be and why? Svea, I know it would probably be centered on your hockey career, right? <laughs> I know you played a lot of hockey at the age of five. Yeah, but they already made Mighty Ducks into a fantastic kids show. So I really can't compete with that. Okay, no problem. So I would have to say, I feel like I would go the reality TV route and I would do a reality show about being a PA because we'll (gasps) never have a crazier job as long as I live. Mm. And I just think the just absolutely bonkers stuff that you have to do as a PA would be such a good reality show like competition totally that's such a good idea it's pitched (laughs) oh my god it's such a good idea I guess you can't say here where you PA'd but that's like exceptionally exceptionally exciting you must have had what's the weirdest thing you had to do well my first day PAing ever Mm -hmm. I had to go like all around New York City trying to find the largest ham that I could find. What? For no reason that had to do with ham, but they the show we were like measuring weights of different things for mm-hmm. something and they thought that that would be a really funny object. Okay. And that was just like the quintessential story that I tell people is like on my <laughs> first day just a nice Jewish PA looking for the largest ham in all of Manhattan. <laughs> I'm a PA seeking ham. Did you find it? I did. There is a nice. Ukrainian butcher in the Lower East Side, and that's where I got the ham. Wow. And how big was it? I actually don't remember, but what's, a, what's the Jesus. poundage of a large ham? It was that. Wow. So you just had to sit there with a big, wet, big ham. bone-in ham on your yes. lap <laughs> and go not only across town, but up, like, all the way up to, like, town west. <laughs> Or wherever. (laughs) Oh, I hate hot ham. Just (laughs) gross. It's so gross. Okay, Adam, what would you? What are you going to do? What's your? What's your show all about? Yeah, so it's not as glamorous as that. um, But a couple of summers when I was in college, I worked at a video store. Oh, um, and there was a lot of like kooky characters. It felt very like a. 80s 90s sitcom situation okay i had sort of a cranky crazy manager who he loved the movie um shallow Hal. do you remember that movie (laughs) yeah i remember that (laughs) he used to because like in the video store you know we could like pick what was playing in the store and he was very dictatorial about it and so he would always pull your pick off the screen like i remember i put on tootsie and he was like take that off and he took off tootsie and he sent me to like a back room to shrink wrap some porn which is one of the things I had to do as part of my job. Jesus Christ. And then he like would throw on Shallow Hal just like every day. And he just thought it was the funniest movie. And he would make super inappropriate jokes. There was a guy who had a glass eye that I worked with who had like what? a, uh, what you would call it, like a green card marriage. <laughs> oh. Yeah. There was a lot of like crazy stuff. And then like, you'd have to call people about their late fees. It was just like a whole experience that I think, now that we're so removed from that world of videos and, mm-hmm. and VHS, it's like kind of quaint now, I guess. So yeah, wow. that's my pitch. That's good. That feels like a sitcom. I think both of these pitches are approved. <laughs> these are approved pitches. These are so, this is so interesting. Oh God. You know, when you're working for a video corporation or whatever, and then you have to do stuff with the porn tapes, that's, <laughs> that's hard. I had to do that. I had to do that. Oh, and real? I was like, Oh, cause I worked at this We could, you know, like, I guess it's called Redbox now where they put yep. you put DVDs in but I used to work part-time at this thing called the Amazing Video Machine. It was it was like I mean I was a teen or in my 20s so it was like 30 years ago or whatever and people would it was like for VHS tapes and people would put their own 
homemade porn tapes in instead what? of instead of shallow hell. They would be like, we made this. Like here you go, here's a treat backyard. for you. <laughs> yeah, because people have like that exhibitionist gene as well, and they don't yeah. want to just make a home porn. They want to also <laughs> distribute. Make sure somebody sees it. Well, that somebody was me, and I had to log all the stuff that was on the tape. What? To, so that if people called and they were like, I think I dropped my homemade tape in the machine <laughs> they could get it back and so i would be like they would, would ask to, for it back they would ask for i it just back. feel like if you put it out into the world it has to stay there there's a delicious side of human psychology that we can talk about on another podcast where people are like hi it's sherry did you get my tape um can you describe it back to me and you're like, oh. What is it? And it's like, woman in lime green negligee answers the door and the pizza man is there. And you're like, well, that's how they all start. <laughs> Keep going. And then people would call and get their homemade. Anyway, this is a long segue to a dark, the, the dark heart of humanity. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All right. Here we go. Don't. Ugh, everyone's gone. No. <laughs> We haven't even started. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Don't you dare go anywhere because we have Bridget Everett coming right up. <gasps> Joining me today is comedian, singer, and actress Bridget Everett. Oh my God. Bridget has been slaying audiences for years with her live cabaret act, her stand-up specials, and scene-stealing appearances on Inside Amy Schumer and Girls. This past month, she debuted in the semi-autobiographical, universally acclaimed new dramedy, Somebody Somewhere, and I am looking forward to just commiserating with her about life as a critical darling. I'm just kidding. Please welcome to the show, the incredible Bridget Everett. Hi. Oh my God. <laughs> Hi. Good, Good afternoon. Good, Good day. <laughs> Good day. Good morning. Good snow. I don't know. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Okay. Where are you on the East Coast right now? Are you on the West Coast? Are you in Kansas? Where the hell are you? I'm in uh, New York City, Upper West Side. Nice. We just had a, a chopper that has seemed to have cleared the area, cleared the airspace okay. that was looking for a, a man on the loose that stabbed somebody in the stomach a block away. So we're, we're in New York. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's great. That's really, that's lovely. It's, it's just, okay. you know, it's like where uh, when you got a stabbing a block away from home, it's just like, well, you know what? Maybe New York is the place for me. Maybe that's what I deserve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a stabbing at our pizza parlor where we always go. They were like, here's a stabbing is that right outside. We're like, cheesy pizza. My kids oh my love God. cheesy pizza so fucking much. And I'm like, this is the worst pizza probably in america like this is so bad <laughs> this is microwave pizza for sure that's my friends like you know he knows how much he's had to drink by by whether or not he stops off at cheesy pizza and gets one slice two slices or no slices <laughs> so, yeah sometimes we're they're like can we please go to cheesy pizza and i'm like i i'm not eating but we can for sure sit on this park bench in between two roadways and eat cheesy pizza at that way, like in the cold. Okay. Yeah, why not? Why not? Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Okay. I, all right. I have a lot of, I was just telling my producers right before you came on that I have a lot of, I just have a lot of compliments that I'm going to lay on you. So just, oh no, oh let's no. get fucking weird, like right out the gate. I just, first of all, we have to talk so much about your new show because I love it so much. Thank you. I love it a lot. And I think you're amazing. And I've seen you perform live. You're incredible. And your episode of Girls is my favorite ever oh. <laughs> episode of Girls. And I watched, I rewatched it like last, last week or when you said yes to uh. doing the podcast, I was like, I got to watch that episode again. And I did. And I was like, so rewarded. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is Rita Wilson is so funny. You know, we did these like, the, you know, they improv so much on that yeah. show. And I'm like, I'm okay at improv. But like, she blew my mind with just like the really? stuff that she was coming up with. I had no idea. I, I really, wow. I, 
I, I guess I, uh, I just didn't think of her as that kind of uh, right. actor, but I thought she was so funny and, I, and also a lovely person. That's great. Yeah, it's fun to get to do stuff like that. So funny. Bibi's such a great character. I just love, I just love your character. I just let, like, Marnie's wedding is so great, but just, it will stay with me forever that you were like, yeah, your dress is really light, so you have to, like, balance it with really heavy makeup on top. <laughs> the reveal of her face is so, so good. Okay. Okay. Somebody somewhere. I love it. Thank you. Great show. How did it come to be? Like, did you... I'm just, I'm just, I, I really, really love it. And if people in the audience haven't watched somebody somewhere, you really have to. It's a beautiful show. It's like very tender and it's really funny and it's just so, um, it's so well drawn. Like it's like, it's a real, it's a world. It feels really real. I described it to someone yesterday. I was t- like talking about the show. I was like gushing about the show. And I was like, it's like if you take, like if you're really... This is a terrible analogy. I was like, it's like if a beautiful, it's like somebody just moisture it, putting like a very tender cream into your tush. Like it's so, you're like chapped, your soul is chapped and somebody just like puts a salve on you and you feel just like very, um, you feel like somebody just wrapped you in a in a beautiful shawl. That's fucking sucks. Well, and you're like, that's the no, stupidest I, way I anyone has because- ever described <laughs> I, I woke up today and like I played Wordle or whatever, and the word mm-hmm. happened to be, uh, well, this little earlier, but it was moist. And I was like, man, I love, <gasps> that, I love that word. Moist. <laughs> and, but, uh, you know, my friend Murray, who plays Frederick Coco on the show, like never moisturizes his uh, hands. And then I was like, so I always take lotion and I put a, a vino on his hands. And, I, and I'm and i like, look at, look at this hand versus this hand. And just anyway, right. so... The way you describe that show is uh, that's that's just an arrow right to my heart. So thank oh. you. <laughs> Do you remember those old commercials for Vaseline intensive care lotion that was just like take a an old leaf, like a dried old <laughs> fall leaf and rub Vaseline into it? And it just became like this youthful. <laughs> that's right. Me of that. Oh, my God. That was the lotion of our household for many years. The big old yellow oh, bottle yeah. and just like <laughs> big yellow bottle cream everywhere <laughs> greasy footprints yeah, everywhere exactly. everywhere um oh my god i'm almost 50 i want to know how the show started like you know we will talk about your path to having a show too but like did was it something in the back of your mind for a really long time or was it no. like a situation where creators were like let's make something and you were like well this is in my heart well, the situation was that I got a deal with HBO and I thought, well, that's, that's good enough. I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll live off right. of that for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, as, as and many of my other friends have had like, you know, these holding deals or whatever, you just, you get some money and then you can't really work for other places. And then, you know, you just, you're like, oh, well, it's never going to happen. We're never going to come up with a show. But right. when I got this deal, I called up Carolyn Strauss. If you don't know her, she's like produced like Game of Thrones and some other stuff like that. And, and used to run HBO and she's, so smart. And she, so let's call it Paul and Hannah, who are some other people around my age. They're Midwesterners. They, you know, they live in New York and they've been knocking around the same downtown world that I have for a number of years with moderate success. And they pitched uh, a world like set back in Kansas. And I was like, but they, you know, they, they threw in the element of a choir practice and of a sister who's passed away and Murray Hill is Fred Rococo. Murray's one of my closest friends in New York and showbiz pals. And I was like, this is like all the kind of the most important elements of my life. And they're putting them in one show. And I was like, you know, my my heart was in my throat. And I was like, yeah. So it's I they came up with it. And and I was like, it just felt right. You know, and I, I think the only way that I've ever been able to do anything that works is just to follow my gut. You know, anytime I right. try to not do that, I'm, it's a mess. So I don't know. And, you know, there's like this thing where I was a little worried because I'm known more as like a, a funny person, even though I don't think of right. myself as a comedian. I think of myself as a singer. And I was like, the, you know, my friend, another friend of mine is a comedian said, nobody wants to see the funny person cry. <laughs> you know. Oh. And so as, as we're doing this, I was like, I think this is going to be, ah, oh, the funny person cries. But, you know, it's also more who I am. You know, I'm right. like at home watching Shows about dogs and crying, and <laughs> <laughs> I look at the beautiful skate behind you, and I'm like, "Oh, snow! I could cry. Nature's so beautiful. What are we doing to our planet? You know, just everything right, makes me cry." Right. <laughs> totally. 
I feel like this is, this is really, I don't know, the way that you're telling the story feels really familiar to me. Like, it's like almost, you can't believe that somebody wants to make your, like, you didn't even know, like, the vision of this show is almost too ambitious to, like, imagine. Exactly. And then someone has to show you that it's possible and that people would want it. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, but I, I, I feel like I'm like one of those people that sort of constantly, first of all, I did grow up in Kansas and mm-hmm. there wasn't ever like a big ambition to, to move to New York, take it by a storm. I just have always done the thing that was right in front of me. I'm not like a super ambitious hustler. Mm-hmm. I do hustle in the way that like I loved live singing and I would just always book another show, you know, I just book right. that and like, and if they would you know, they started selling more tickets and then they would sell out and then I would be able to add more nights. And to me, that was like the top of the mountain and anything that's come as a byproduct of that has been just more than uh, I could ever dream. And then because of that, you know, I think like I sometimes struggle to feel like I deserve a seat at the table kind of thing, you know? So, but doing something small, low budget, Mm -hmm. lower stakes, with a bunch of people who have also been struggling, slugging it out. I, I wouldn't say, you know, struggling, but, you know, like right. Murray Hill, who plays Frederick Coco, and Jeff Hiller, who plays Joel. We're just a bunch of, on a large scale, unknown people. And then our, you know, Paul and Hannah are showrunners. And, and it just kind of felt like, a, it felt right. It felt like we were getting right. just enough of the Hollywood, a slice of the Hollywood pie that we could handle and that we deserved. I don't right. Know. Right. Like, is it hard in a way? It's, I think it's really, it feels really personal. Like the the show has, like, it feels personal and it feels really real. And like, is it, is it hard to, it's kind of hard to talk about, I imagine, right? Like, it's not like, yeah, there's an easy log line where you're like, girl takes, like, you (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, yesterday, one of my you know, mentors called and he was like, how are you handling all this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm, I'm actually, I thought it would be just, you know, we got, we got some good, good reviews, good notices. And, you know, I'm getting so many enthusiastic emails from old friends and things. And, and, but there's the element of like, every time I talk about it, some of the most personal themes of my life are in the show. And it's like, you're always talking about that. And it feels like I'm kind of just, tap dancing on the raw nerves of what make me me. Do you know? Right. Yeah. So it's, that's really tired. It's really, really hard to do. It's really, really tiring. I, I, you know, you're in show business, you understand what I'm talking about. And, you know, the, some of the big themes in the show are like Sam's, Oh, I just, are people going to be confused because, you know, no, no, no. Okay. The lead (laughs) character, your character's name is Sam. I was just just totally based on me. No. Okay, so no confusion on Sam's. Okay. Um, but uh, anyway, Sam is, um, you know, she's dealing with the grief of her sister, and I have a mm-hmm. sister who's passed away, and then, like, and really, like, sort of the most complicated relationship, and I don't think it's, like, something that is pulled away from, like, maybe the viewers, but for me, like, all things come through music and through singing for me. Like, that is that's the love of my life. That's my best friend. I can barely talk about that crying. And so right. talking about that every time I do an interview and like what it means to me and how it, it like, how it's, you know, Sam sort of comes back to life through singing and a, and a lot of other things, but like, I can relate to that so much. It's just such a, it's a heavy, heavy thing, yeah. but it's also like, you know, humor and a thousand other things, but that's just one of the one of the many raw nerves that is just uh, laying out there like a piece of cheesy pizza. I know. <laughs> Delicious. The finest cheesy pizza. The finest cheesy pizza. Well, I hope you're taking care of yourself because it actually is like, it is a frazzling experience to have everything, to have everybody talking about you. And it is frazzling like uh, to receive, it's actually kind of like challenging to receive compliments. Right? Oh my God. For For me, like, I don't know. I I just, I remember like when I was little, you know, I didn't have like a really close relationship with my dad, but he was like, you know, every time I would see him, he would like try to say something real sweet to me. And I would just, Mm -hmm. you know, I was be like, (laughs) 
you know, <laughs> just like and my brothers would make fun of me, and they're like, just you know, they're like would make fun of the way I was trying to receive his compliment, but I just couldn't do it. I don't know. It's like a thing that I know right. a lot of people struggle with. I'm, you know, you, you've been in show business so long and had so many accolades. I'm sure you can just take it. You know, no, no sweat, no problem. No, it's actually, <laughs> it's like, it's actually, it's funny because it's like easier. It's on a big scale, like when it's not really personal. It's yeah. like. Um, I don't know the closest parallel I can think of in my, but I really, I, I relate to a lot of things that I've interviews that I've read with you. I like really, like I grew up in Canada, which is like the Midwest of the North. And like, um, <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> and like, it's true. I, it, it's totally fine to be in a big room with, I feel like it's like really fine to be in a big room with strangers. Like I really love being on stage with people who I don't know, like no problem at all. But if there's yes. a single person who I know who is really there, yes. they love me yes. and they're looking at me with love in their eyes. Yes. I'm a fucking mess. Can't do it. <laughs> me too. Can't do it. Oh, I mean, I hate that you feel that way, but it's so nice to hear that, like, that's the way. I mean, it's such, it's so true. It's just like, oh, it's like somebody just took a club to my knees when I see that person. And they're just yeah, like, like, it's, and it's that person is there to support you. They're like, yeah. I fucking love you. You can do this. And I'm like, yeah. get away from me. Don't look at me. <laughs> Please. Same, same. Or like, I always cry when people sing happy birthday to me in an intimate oh. setting. I actually can't do it. I actually yeah. can't handle it. Cause I'm like all yeah. those loving eyes, all at the same, yeah. all those, you know, it's like my small family, but whatever, like she can't handle it. It has to be yeah. very, like these things have to be walled off in a way <laughs> yeah. in, in order to do the work. These are all neuroses that no one in the like listening audience. They're like, the fuck is wrong with both of you? <laughs> really <laughs> good at what you do. But I'm like, <laughs> I like it. I think it's, it's real. It's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think if you're if you're buying into it all a little too much, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just so interesting you say that about the like the one person, like you know, and especially like at the level where I'm I handle like my own guest list at the show. Mm. And so I know exactly <laughs> who's there. And it, just depending on who it is, I can fully have just like you know, I, I've never been able to get my hands on any beta blockers, but like, right. without a loving, a loving uh, set of eyes in the audience, I'm fine. But yeah, I, I definitely, if there's anybody out there that's got a, a pen and some paper and can get me some beta blockers, then you'll be. <laughs> I don't even know what those are, but they sound great. How do you take those? Do they have to like inject them into your neck or are they pills? I don't know. Are they well, pills? I, I think they just like, you know, help you like take the anxiety away. But who, oh, blah, boy. blah, blah. <laughs> Did you... Like, okay. I mean, I'm not going to give you another compliment. You can let your whole body can just shudder from no, it. No, you can. You can. You, you, you can. You can. I think you're a great actress. I think you're a great actor. I think you're really great. Oh, and like, you. did you, did you know that? <laughs> Do no. you know that yet? <laughs> no, no and okay. no. Okay. And All right. in fact, like, I'm like so stressed out. Like, we don't know if we have a season two yet or not. I hope we get one. I hope so. But I'm like, I'm like, God, can I? Can I do that again? And like every day I would just be like, are you sure you guys got what you need? And like right. one of our directors um, uh, was Canadian, also Rob Cohen, who's mm-hmm. um, he's super funny and like, you know, tall. And, and, you know, he like we were both just like, I don't know. Do you, do you feel good about that? Yeah, I felt good about it. Right, okay, let's just, you know, like right. we're just we're both just, you know, that sort of whatever. But um I, I don't know. Like, I, I anytime I do something that seems good, I surprise myself. And um, I don't know. I I don't know. Well, it, feel, it looks great. Thank you. I'm an outside person looking in. And I got to tell you, like, all the people who are listening right now who are producing this podcast are like, anyway, we're all like, yeah. Okay. What's it like? Okay. Because I did read, because of COVID, I mean, it was restricted filming, right? Like, you got pushed did your filming get pushed back, right? A yeah, bit? We, we shot the pilot, I don't remember, like maybe October 2019, and then we shot the show in whatever, 2021? Yeah, May sure. and June. I don't know what year it is. May and I don't either. I was literally just like, I, I can't look at my phone because I'm rec- recording this conversation. But um, but yeah, we, we did. We pushed it like a year and a half, and like it was 
we had a super vigilant COVID compliance team. Like we'd be outside with like, you had to wear like goggles and masks and all that business and oh, shields. Yeah. And like there's shields, everything, you know? And, but I got a, a house that I lived in with Jeff Hiller, who plays Joel and Murray, who plays Frederick Coco. So we could have some sense of community because we were all originally staying in like a, you know, a hide house, which, and there was no socializing and it was right. just, I, I wanted it to feel like, because we've all been waiting for an opportunity like this for so long that we could have some collective joy and like a team experience doing it. Right. That's just, great. You know, have dinners at the table and then Murray's just like drilling us on our lines and, and, That's great. you know, it was, it was great. It was really fun. Did you, so what, so what was the experience like in terms of like, would you, would you film a scene and then would you go back and kind of like watch it through? Or were you just like, let's do, we're going to do three takes of this. Like, let's, let's just well, do it. And we'll yeah. see after. There, there were other eyes that I was trusting. Um, like if I was in a scene, I can't watch it. I just would be like, that right. didn't feel good. Can I do it again or something? But we were shooting like 10 or 12 scenes a day, which is in TVs a lot. Fast. And we were moving very quickly, and it was it was a blessing in a way because it just gave you gave me no time to like go into the trailer and like doubt myself, undermine myself. We just sort of had to keep going, which um, is it's maybe one of the first times I've gotten out of my own way, other than like live performing, which I can do. But like in TV and film, I just get super nervous, and and this was it was a blessing in a in a way to just have to like motor through it. Right. Yeah. I would I imagine so because you can really overthink it if you're like yeah. stepping back behind the camera and you're like, mm, mm, mm. Yeah. did you enjoy the writing process, writing for other characters, writing for other people? Well, yeah, you know, like being in the I learned so much being in the writer's room. Like I, I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, we one of our writers, um, her name is Patty Breen. She's been around for a number of years and she's such a smart TV brain. And then Paul and Mm -hmm. Hannah are more from like, they've done TV, but they've, they're also like playwrights. And then we were working with Carolyn Strauss. Who's like, who's done, who's from the producer side, but she's so smart and funny and just learning how to like use the best of everybody and how fulfilling it was and, and how um, everybody was so kind. I felt like I could be really open and like, I would just start talking until I would like, cry and they'd be like oh well then we should put that in and I'm like Fuck. <laughs> oh great oh shit but also so much laughter we like laugh so much we like we love farts and bms and stuff like that <laughs> so. mm-hmm. where did you film it did you film it in in Kansas uh, we filmed it in uh, outside of Illinois or not not outside of Illinois outside, outside of Chicago and then we got a and, oh, and then did? we went okay. back to my hometown and picked up some um some footage I feel like your handle like it just is so it creates, a, but it's like it doesn't. Um, what's the word I'm like? It's not at all. It's not at all condescending. Do you know what I mean? Like it to it the world of to Midwesterners. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't want to do that. We just because we're all Paul and Hannah and I are all Midwesterners, and like, and also like my mom and my two of my brothers live in you know they're still in Kansas, and I'm like, I don't want to do anything that's going to embarrass them because that will be. I mean, a million people could tell me they hate this show, but if my family comes at me and was like, what'd you do to us? <laughs> you know, that'd be worse. Oh, right. Totally. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they, um, oh, I can't remember the question already. I have brain fog and perimenopausal uh, brain. Just... Listen, we were just talking about, we were just talking about perimenopause before you came <laughs> on. Cause I was like, I feel like I'm going through like, I'm 52. Uh, and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm going through it all over again. Well, I'm just got like another flash of like, oh shit, I thought I was getting better. <laughs> and now I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm back to murder. The perimenopausal thing is like, also, I just, it's wild. wild. My brain is like some days super sharp, other days not. I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. That'd be great if we have a season two and I can't remember any of my lines, but who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Do well, I guess your, you know, your family lives, your family still lives there. Do they, do they hate the question? What's the, what's the matter with Kansas or whatever people, that that question that people ask. Oh yeah, that book. That's right. Um, well, first of all, they, you know, my brother Brad is, he's born and raised there, lives there. I mean, he moved around a little bit, but, you know, people in Kansas aren't being like, what's wrong in Kansas? You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. They, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it, it's interesting because we started doing this um, right at the beginning of the pandemic. My mom went to a nursing home, so we started this family Zoom. 
And I'm not what you call like a traditional family person. I'm not like flying home for holidays and whatever. I just, okay. but because we've done this, we, and we're still doing it for whatever reason now, we talk once a week and, and through the show, but also through this family Zoom, I have a real appreciation for like family and home. And my brother, Brad, the one that lives in my hometown, he has four kids and he just does, he's like that. And so, same with my best friend, Stephanie, who still lives there. You know, they're all about like community and showing up for people. And and my brother's wife was in hospice, but we needed like some waivers for things. And he's like going out to get us, you know, knocking on doors and asking businesses if they'll sign a waiver so we can use their storefront in the show. Like he just is just always kind of putting other people first. And I put myself first. So I <laughs> it was a good it was just a good reminder about Midwestern values. And, and, right. um, and I certainly, when we were doing the show, we didn't want to look down on anybody. And a lot of my friends from home are more conservative than I am. And sure. But it's, it comes up, but it like, and in the show, there's like moments, there's like a moment in the basement in the pilot where like Sam's sister is like, you know, talking about their sister's past away is like, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Cause she's, she was gay. And, right. And like stuff like that happens that feels like a shot in the heart, but it's also more complicated than that because you have such deep roots with these people and right. it's still home, you know? I don't know. Right. I don't know if I make any sense. You can edit this all out and You post. totally make sense. You're making all, <laughs> no, God, no. Is your brother so proud of you? Like, is your, fa- are they just like, we knew it all along? Well, or they're like, this is that. great. I mean, for many years, I was just knocking around doing karaoke and, you know, waiting tables sure. for 25 years, but but they are proud. And for instance, you know, there was an article that came out in the New Yorker and like we were all having our, a hard time getting our hands on a copy. Mm-hmm. And there's not a pe- lot of people in my hometown that, you know, subscribe to it, I guess, because my brother couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. So he just on a Sunday just drove an hour over to Topeka to pick up a couple copies. And then he's like, you know, calling me. He's like, I'm on my way to Hobby Lobby. I'm going to get this uh, matted and framed for mom and take it out there to Stony Brook or the nursing home and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, and, you know, cut to, he's, he's got, you know, he's taking the whole thing and, you know, so I think, I think they're proud of me. And it's just also very, very sweet. (laughs) That's really sweet. Do you, um, Oh God, that's, (laughs) <laughs> that's it's that's gonna be that's weird to see when you're like oh my god it's the it's the me wall the wall of me there's a wall of me i know he's like well my mom ah. dies you can have it and i was like oh no oh great oh no it's that's fine, fine. It's, that's, that's, that's fine that's okay i definitely feel like um i always i do think i worked in this I worked in the service industry like waited for like at least a dozen uh-huh. years probably more and definitely feel like everybody should do like minimally a year absolutely minimally a year of restaurant work preferably two (laughs) it teaches you teaches you everything you need to know about people and how to be like resilient like and how to like live yeah there's a lot of uh swallowing of pride there's checking your dignity Mm -hmm. there is learning how to uh rise above your emotions in the moment. <laughs> There's a lot. Of <laughs> and of course, just the life yeah. skills of being able to like, you know, keep a running list in your head and do things in an organized fashion. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of life lessons. Oh, totally. I feel like reading people's comment cards about me was like a really good prep for reading internet comments, which I no longer <laughs> so do true. at all. Very smart. Very smart. I remember. Oh my God. They used to, we used to have to put down comment cards and I remember somebody's like, our waitress needs to wear a bra. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) someone drew my picture once they drew my picture. We ran out of ice. It was like the hottest week of the year. The restaurant ran out of ice. The fucking like big ice machine broke. Uh I was like, I cannot provide you with ice. People were like, I have to have ice. I'm like, I don't know (laughs) how to help you right now. What can I do? And they drew my picture. They drew my picture on a comment card. Because they didn't know my name, even though I was wearing a name tag. And so they, this is my picture. And then they wrote, this is a horrible girl. Oh, my God. That it just goes from, <laughs> that, that it gets to that level. Like, I mean, come on. Now, if that person had done, you know, even six months waiting tables, would they do that? They would, they, you know, I hope that they are 
they, they wake up every morning and think, I never should have done that. I never should have drawn that on that card. Why did I lose my head over some goddamn ice? <laughs> I do think that there's something, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you identify with this, but I always like have it in the back of my head. I'm like, well, if this doesn't work out, I can always, I know I'm a really good waiter. I know I can do oh. that. I pick oh, that yeah. skill up. Yeah, it is not far from my past. Mm -hmm. It's not like I can just sort of go to the computer, check a recent file, update resume, send, and go. (laughs) I I do think about it. I was like, God, is this, is that what I'm going to end up doing in five years? And it might be, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. No, I did it for a number of years and it's an honest living, but I, by the end, I hated it. Oh, (laughs) for sure. Yes. I definitely have like, like plantar fasciitis now that Ned didn't have oh, yeah. back then. It probably all stems from those years. Oh, like, just the, 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 the spine, you know, like the, the, sp- the <laughs> whatever the shit is between, what's it between your discs? You know, all that stuff is just oh, yeah. threadbare now because it's oh, just threadbare. like walk. <laughs> totally. So much walking, so much walking <laughs> and carrying on one side. Everything's yeah. crooked. Yeah. Everything's forever yes. crooked and twisted. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Tell me, what was the first time that you performed live after the pandemic? Because every that was that was. Oh yeah, that was uh, just in um, November, December, like right oh. before Omicron hit. Um, oh. We had it was a blessing. I hadn't performed for two years. I thought like I'd lost, mm-hmm. uh, as they say in my family, you lost your touch. I thought I'd lost my touch, and um, really, and also just like the. The not having that outlet, and as I mentioned right. before, with like the singing, I feel like that's my way of being with people, like and connecting right. with people. Even before quarantine and all that, like I have friends, but I, I it's probably sad to say it, but I never feel as connected to myself and other people as I do mm-hmm. when I'm singing in a room. It's just something about it. It's very special right. to me. So living without that for two years was hard. And then going back into the room and, and I feel like the, you know, right before I was like, I started singing off stage and it sounded like shaking. I was like, oh my God, I really have lost it. And then I went out and there was such a charge in the audience. Like everybody was, it wasn't me, just me that needed it. Like the audience, there's something about being in a room with live performance that before the pandemic, I start, had started to take for granted and mm-hmm. and just being back in there. And it's a very special room to me. It's Joe's Pub in New York. It's part of the public theater. And and, and just feeling like I was like awake again. And, right. And it was really, it just, it just, it, it, it was like, I was like, you know, like in the ER, like they brought me back to life. Right. And I'm sure it was like that for people in the audience too, because like, I don't know. I just started going back to like live theater and stuff kind of in the summer and early fall or whatever, when shows were opening again and the amount of enthusiasm, like that is, it was like laser beams. It was like, yeah, just like a, like the ghost, ghostbusters when they're all like shooting their like (laughs) ghostbusterizers. I'm sorry. At the, (laughs) just so much energy coming and going from performance to crowd. And people were like in tears. I was in tears. Everyone's like, we're all doing it. (laughs) Everybody's (laughs) equally invested. Everybody's getting Mm -hmm. something from it. And it's just as exciting for the performers as it is for the audience. And I think that's, that's thrilling. When you first decided to step on, what was it that made you step on a stage in that way? Like, what was the first time where you ever, because I can remember my first time stepping on a, a stage that I like was a part of rent or whatever, like renting a stage and going like, well, we're putting on a show. Yeah. I sure hope people come. I put out posters. I stapled them to, I stapled them to a lot of plywood at construction sites. I hope people see them. It's like super scary, and but very DIY. Yeah. Do you remember your first time stepping out onto a stage like that? Well, Initially, it was just a lot of karaoke. Mm-hmm. And then um, I had a friend who saw me do karaoke and was like, you should come sing on my show. And I remember, and he's like, and just tell a story, you know, tell a story and then sing a song, which I did. And like, I couldn't, 
believe, like, I didn't really know about cabaret as a, as a genre or, Mm -hmm. and I was just discovering it as, you know, in these early days when I was in New York and, and, and being like, oh, maybe this is it. Cause I studied vocal performance, you know, like opera in college. And I knew that ultimately I didn't want to do that. Right. I didn't have like the discipline or really the desire. And I really wasn't built to be like a Broadway chorus, you know, girl right. or whatever. So, and I was past, I couldn't be a pop star. You know, I just didn't know what it was going to be. And um, yeah, so I did that and I was like, oh my God. And the audience like really responded in a way that I did not, expect and I remember uh-huh. calling my mom right away and just being like oh my god I think I think this is it you know like the this is the the thing and and then from there I met um Jason Egan who who runs this theater in New York called Ars Nova which is for emer- emerging artists mm-hmm. and I started doing stuff there and just the DIY that you're talking about like the sending out emails to friends and trying to get them to come and thank god I had a really supportive friend group that like would come to the shows, you know, right. once a month or once or, you know, cause nobody has any, nobody had any money and yeah. well, you come and pay, you know, 10 or dollars or $15 to see me. Yeah. But I also think that they were enjoying what they were seeing. So it was like, I got really lucky that a, they were generous with their time and their money and B that I, I don't know. I just kept going. I was just like, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And I do think like that it's, um, there's something that feeds the, like it feeds the soul to just be like, I'm just doing, I'm just, I'm here. I'm always going to do this thing. I'm going to do my thing this way. And no matter what else I do to make money or whatever, be nice if this made money one day, but it doesn't have to, (laughs) because I'll still do it. Doesn't have to. That's the exact thing. It was like, I've never been driven by money. I mean, maybe more so now I'd like to be able to, you know, buy myself some nice things. Yeah, Yeah, all that. Definitely. But but I agree with you. I just, it just was the joy of it was enough and just doing it. And again and again, and that's why I waited tables for so many years. And I was fine doing that because it gave me the flexibility to go out and sing whenever I could or wanted to. Right. Right. I think that's, I love your, I love that. I love that story. Are you ever, do you ever think about doing like, I do love opera. Do you ever think about doing a comedy opera? Oh my God. I, I find like, I, when I sang that way, like it took so much, I couldn't drink really because it, fu- it fucked with my tone and like, you know, right. it was like, and just the, the kind of discipline that I needed to do it well. And I was friends with like a friend of mine, um, his name is David Miller. He's in that group, Il Devo, oh, yeah. um, you know, and he's, he's the tenor, his voice just sails, it sings. It's just, I mean, he's uh-huh. an incredible instrument. He can have martinis and smoke cigarettes and he still sounds crystal oh. clear, beautiful voice. Like some people, and he's, you know, but my, I just couldn't do that. I'd like have one core is light and I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> it's like a genre of music that I don't really understand. And I don't know any of the stories or words, yeah. but I like to go because I actually like, really like to look at the performers. Yeah. This is so, this is really dorky, but I like, like to look at them and physically, cause they're just like a bellows. Like you can see like the oxygen filling their lungs like through their costumes like you can see them fill with air and like when they're about to do something big like their whole body is like ready it's like athletic fbe full body experience they're like giving it from the toes to the tits and just going out through the mouth (laughs) it is incredible god it is incredible yeah can you like sharing a stage with patty lupone at carnegie hall yeah tell me oh my god that is like what the hell? Patty, like, the, I, I'd done this show at this place called La Mama Downtown, and, like, she'd come to see it. And then that was, like, another example of, like, well, Patty's going to come at some point. And I'm like, well, just don't tell us, right? And they yeah. didn't they didn't tell us, but Patty lets you know that she's there because she laughs okay. so hard. And she's such a great audience member. But she, it, it was immediately clear that she was, like, on board and, like, was into what we are doing. And I think we all felt lifted up by her. She's, to me, she's one of the the greats like a showbiz broad and I mean that in the best way she is the real deal so she saw me do that and then I was coming home from waiting tables I was stopping no it was not coming I was the next day I was dropping off my tips at Chase mm-hmm. Bank <laughs> putting nice. my money in the slot yeah my friend Scott Whitman who works with Patty calls me up and he's like we're just talking and wondering 
uh, we're having some Prosecco and we thought maybe you might want to come and sing a song with Patty at Carnegie Hall. And <laughs> just like putting oh my, my $200 in the slot <laughs> and just like, I was like, you know, I look around, I just sort of take a second to be like, look around over my shoulders and I'll hear this. And I go back on my phone and I'm like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> and, yeah, no and problem. I used, to, I used to always say on my show, you know, I may never, I may never play Carnegie Hall. I had this whole joke about it, but, um, and then I did. And the first time I do it, it was one of, with the voice of a generation and like, Patty also showed me a thing, you know, because I've been hustling so long and scrapping, yeah. like, it's not like I'm competitive with those around me, but there are times like when I, you know, especially when I was struggling be like, well, why are they getting that opportunity? I just can't mm-hmm. seem to get ahead. And, but, you know, Patty stopped the show before she brought me out and she talked about me for like two minutes, which in showtime on Carnegie Hall time is maybe, mm-hmm. a, uh, maybe a full hour in my head. Right. <laughs> but she sure. was just like, She's like, if you don't know Bridget Everett, you're going to know her now. And there is nobody else like her. You have to go see her. Run to Joe's Pub and was saying all this stuff. And then so just that, just hearing that and trying to, as you know, to accept a compliment and to hear it from somebody like that was, I felt like the wind was out of my sails. And then she's like, and please welcome Bridget Everett. And I came out there to sing with Patty. And since then, I've sung with her a number of times. and, And she's just, she's just generous and special and just in it. She's like so game. And um, I don't know. I can't say enough about her. I saw her the other night. We were having a couple drinks and she just makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> oh my God. Do you feel like she's like kind of mentoring you or like at least can you talk to her about, you feel like you can talk to her? You yeah. You feel like you can be like, Patty, I don't know what to do. I'm freaking yeah, out. Yeah, doing, doing this show and, you know, I spent some time with her and some other uh people have been in the game that have been in the game, in the but like game. her and, and I talked to Victor Garber. I talked to some other people just, just cause I get so consumed with self doubt and mm-hmm. like, and just Patty's like reassurance and hearing, you know, some of the, the struggles that like Patty struggles. So she's Patty LaPalm, you know, and right. she's still, ha- you know, has things that she works through and it's just, it's just reassuring. Yeah. And then afterwards to hear, and she watched the show and she's like, you know, don't ever tell yourself you're not an actor again. She's like, you, you are. And like, you know, and like, it's like somehow I can, I can hear it when it comes from her. And like, it's sure. just, you know, I don't know. It's pretty yeah. special. No, that's really special. Like, do you, is there, do you have a routine? Do you have a routine that you do before you go? Oh, that's really special. That's a great story. That's great. <laughs> That makes me happy. Do you have a routine? Do you have a thing that you do? Like, do you do? Do, do you do, do you have like stretches? Not, not, not that. More like mantras. Do you have like a like a psychological process before you step out onto a stage at all, or is it all in the body? And you're just well, like audience. It it is. I mean, there are like there are the vocal exercises and the stretches and whatever. But there's like something that um, I started working with a trainer, which has been really good for me. And he's mm-hmm. like. And I don't know where he got it, but you know, he's just like, take a deep breath and remember who the fuck you are. And I love oh that God. so much. And I, I think it's that. really, really been helpful for me because I have accomplished a lot and I have yeah. built something for myself and I have to remember that. And I think it can be easy to get consumed by self-doubt and things like that and just mm-hmm. and just remember that and like... I don't know. And then, there, of course, there's another one that I stole from somebody else. I didn't steal. I borrow it um, from mm-hmm. LL Cool J, who says, DDHD, dreams don't have deadlines. Right. And I also find that to be very true. But, but these days, it's, it's really the take a deep breath and remember who the fuck you are that my uh, trainer, Kirk, says. And I think that's, that's fantastic. That's great. <laughs> oh, that's really good. I love that so much. We, we, um, you have said that if you had become famous in your 20s, you would have gone to prison. What? <laughs> what makes you say that? Just because, like, you wouldn't have known how to handle like earning or like. Oh, I think it's more that I probably would just. First of all, thank God I live in New York because there's taxis because I do like to drink and like, especially in my twenties. <laughs> like, I without question would have had a number of DUIs and with, without the outlet of singing and some people in New York who really, who really taught me how to turn my anger into love. <laughs> right. Um, I would probably just be 
I, I don't know, I, I, I used to have a real hot temper and things. I just think things would have gone really off the rails for me. I'd be, I would have been on episodes one, two, one, two, and three of Snapped. (laughs) (laughs) I have to tell you, like, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to make you talk all day, but I just really have, I enjoy, I don't know. I've really loved our conversation. I really love your show and the work that you do. Thank you so much. And I'm such a fan of yours. I'm really happy that you've uh, had me on. I just think you're so but, smart and funny but, like, <laughs> but, 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 but no i can't no because my body is now i'm like Ugh. but i like the way and i appreciate the way that you talk about it too because i actually think that like there is kind of a there's kind of like an appetite out there for people to speak inc- not to, to speak um to speak about their like journey and 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 being in a in like being at a good place in their career where you kind of like people want to believe that it's really magical and that like once you've got a show on the air, everything falls into place. And actually it's like the opposite. It's like the same. uh, There's you're all people are always handling their own business. Myself included. It's like a real, it's a mind fucking crazy and it's great. And it's like everything. It is a mind fuck. I I agree with that. And I, I also think that, um, you know, there's this thing on like, you know, Instagram and all social media where it feels mm-hmm. like I have got my shit together. Yeah. I have it figured out and just like, just constantly just like, you know, self-empowering quotes, self-empowering quotes and, and, you know, one after the other. And, and while I think like, that's a great place to be, a lot of it feels hollow and like mm-hmm. projection, you know, and, and I don't mind speaking about, um, not fully feeling like I, you know, like the imposter syndrome of it all, or just like, or the, or just the struggles that go along with it. Because, because I don't think, I don't think it matters what career you're in. It's like you you wake up and, and you're sort of not sure how you got there or why you're there or what's next or, or I don't know. I know that there are people that struggle with uh with self-worth and things like that and i'm one of them and i don't think there's anything wrong with it no you know i think and Mm -mm. i don't know that's all (laughs) and it doesn't like actually the number of compliments people give you it actually doesn't matter because it all is generated from with it like it doesn't yeah it comes from inside so like i just remember i remember a point like probably four years into having like full frontal like probably like four years into having the show somebody went like you know people watch the show right (laughs) You know, you're not just doing it, just you and 60, 65 people who make the show happen, right? It's not just like 66 people watching the show. There's like people out in the world who are watching it too. And I was like, what? Like, oh, it it caused a schism because have a tendency like to keep it very small, like to keep it very like, like a little jewel box almost, like a little lockbox, like a little treasure. Yes. And that makes it easy. That makes it better. And manageable. Manageable. And, and sweeter and, and more personal. All those and things. Special. I agree with you. Yeah. And I think your show is really, I think you're very, you're very special. Patty Lupone is, oh my God, ice just <laughs> fell. A fucking like, God just made an ice chunk fall in my backyard. Like a That's sword. Right. Like an ice sword <laughs> fell. Sword, yeah. Anyways you're you're very you're a very special performer and your show is very fucking special and i really hope that like i hope that people are listening and people tune in and it's a joy like thank you for having having me on and i appreciate and uh, of course i won't rain any compliments down on you but just know that they're here right in this little uh (laughs) I'm Season pointing two. at my heart right now. If you're listening, Bridget Everett is pointing at her heart, and then she's <laughs> she's saying there's a special little <laughs> a, 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 a little rainbow of words that I would like to cascade on you. But maybe one day I'll see you at, at Cheesy Pizza, and I'll just uh, tell Cheesy you. Pizza. I'll meet you at Cheesy Pizza, <laughs> and uh, it's a joy to watch you in your golden light. Okay, bye bye. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank Is that a so wrap? Much. Did we do it? That's it. We did it. <laughs> okay, I gotta squeeze in another quick break here. 
that was wonderful. But now obviously oh. I want cheesy pizza. <laughs> no, you don't want cheesy pizza. It's you made it sound worst. very good because you mentioned it's it about fifteen times. I did. I gave them the best. There are new sponsors. <laughs> so many plugs. So many plugs for cheesy pizza. It's that bad. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like worse than it's like worse than any pizza you can buy. Sorry, it's like I don't know, know what like the opposite of a sponsor is, but that's what they are to us. Now. It's like it's like when you buy like a box when you're a kid, and you're like, "I'm gonna make pizza dough," and then there's just like a box that's like Chef Boyardee pizza, and mm. you make it, and you're like, "This is pretty good." Well, that's not sellable out of a business. You shouldn't open a storefront. You know what? I'll say it. You shouldn't open a storefront unless you know how to make pizza, regardless of what fundamentals. The storefront is for. The fundamentals need to be there. Mic okay. drop. Oh, okay. I found that so enchanting. Yeah, I love you, the show. I love you guys her show. Be BFFs. And she's great. She's really, really great. And I just, uh, I don't know. I just appreciate. I appreciate Bridget Everett. Really big fan over here. So, oh, I hope they better get a season two, or I'll be very disappointed. I'm sure Absolutely. they will. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, we know Bridget is a great actress and a mm-hmm. comedian, and she also mm-hmm. has a really incredible, uh, successful side hustle with her band, The Tender Moments. And yep. so we were curious if you've ever heard any of the other following celebrities' music. And okay. if so, if you like it, and if not, would you be willing to listen to it? Oh, so my for God. Instance, okay. <laughs> there's would you a, be willing to listen <laughs> to it? Would you be open to this? You know, open How to painful it. for these people to be like, I wouldn't even be willing to try. Yeah, the first one is Russell Crowe with his mm. band 30 Odd Foot of Grunts. Or yeah, I'm not willing to listen to that at all. I don't want to. <laughs> don't make me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no other thoughts on that? Maybe I'll be a little more open-minded for this one. Juliet okay. Lewis, Juliet and the Licks. I would be willing to listen to that. Okay. I like Juliet Lewis. <laughs> Is that really why you said like no her. to Russell Crowe because you don't like him, or no? I don't have. I think I'm. I think I'm agnostic on yeah. Russell Crowe. He's been very good in some projects that I have watched. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about him personally, except he might have pulled a phone out of the yeah, wall. Yeah, he threw a phone at somewhere. somebody a few years ago, yeah. I don't care for that. <laughs> That's not necessary. But you know, these stories get distorted, so we don't know. Sure. Like, okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't know. But Juliette Lewis, uh, I don't know. She's a... Oh my God, I almost called her. I was about to say, like, she's a snazzy cat. I'll give her a listen. <laughs> oh my God. Apologies to Juliette Lewis. All indie rockers want to be called that. <laughs> Juliet Lewis and the Snazzy Snaz Cats. Cat. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. What about Ryan Gosling? Apparently, he's in a, a two-man <gasps> band called Dead Man's Bones. Terrible oh, names no. for these bands, by the way. Just editorializing there. Oh God, I really do like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> so, if he, you know what, I'll make him a deal. If he comes on the podcast, I'll listen to his fucking duo. <laughs> You'll do that for him? I will. I will grant him that opportunity to have right. me, a known record producer, <laughs> who can grant anyone's wishes in the music business. I'll grant him a listen. All right. What about uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, Wicked mm-hmm. Wisdom? What? A slightly better name. What type of music is that? Metal? Apparently heavy metal, yeah. Get the... Front door. Get the what? <laughs> We're gonna have to find all these Wait a Spotify channels or title. Jada Pinkett Smith has a metal, a metal Apparently, band. Yeah. <sighs> She's got to work out some stuff at the red table. <laughs> what is going on? Okay, you know what? I'm curious. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm curious. So yes, I feel like Jada Pinkett Smith says yes to things. So I'll mm. say, I'll say yes. Are you? Oh, okay. Like singing? Like she's like singing or she's like, no, I'm all about the bass. <laughs> <laughs> she's like a drummer. That'd you know be so what? funny. I would be impressed if she was like the drummer in a metal band right. and she wasn't like the front person. That yeah. would be incredible. I think these are all front people. Um, okay. All right. We'll, we'll wrap up with a, one of the most famous ones. They've been doing it for a long time. They've produced six albums. Kevin Bacon with the Bacon Brothers. I don't know if you've ever heard sure. them. I think that I even have heard the Bacon Brothers, but I don't remember in any way I really like 
I really like Kevin Bacon, and I really like his wife, oh, yeah. Kira Sedgwick. So the answer is yes. Nice. I will give them a listen. I'll give them a listen, and I will give them the full, the full shot. I'll even, I don't know. Yeah. Who doesn't like Kevin Bacon? All right. Well, next time you'll get back to us and let us know what you think about all of these bands, because we're sure you'll have listened by then. Definitely. That is my pledge. Okay. That was great. Um, and I'm just, it's like I'm telling the audience, that was great. <laughs> Listen. Trust me. That was fantastic. Trust me. I hope you like my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, please consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and follow full release in Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word about this podcast. In the meantime, keep sending us your comments and questions to full release at sandby.com. They might even be featured in one of our special bonus episodes exclusively available on Stitcher Premium. Don't forget to tune into Full Frontal with Samantha Beat Thursdays at 10 p.m. on TBS. And we'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Svea Baron Reinstein with IT and technical production provided by Hitech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Samantha B. I'm really fucking hot and spicy today. Oh. I'm going to kill someone today. Why? That's perfect for Bridget. What happened? Someone's going to die today. Oh.